These days, Lake Burley Griffin is the centrepiece of Canberra. It's a place people and families gather for sport, recreation or just to soak up the sights. But for half of Canberra's history, the Grand Lake was nowhere to be seen and Canberra was a city divided by the Malonglo River. Questioner Scott Molan grew up in Canberra. While he doesn't remember the city before Lake Burley Griffin, he's heard tales of the national capital when it was little more than a collection of sheep paddocks, or, as his mother put it, a dust bowl. So he asked Curious Canberra to investigate how long it took for Lake Burley Griffin to fill and just where the water came from. I'm Elise Pianagonda, and you're listening to Curious Canberra. Each week, a reporter from the ABC Canberra Newsroom answers a question sent in by you. This week, we're exploring the history of one of Canberra's defining features and how a political boys' club and a severe drought almost stopped the lake from being built. I declare this lake duly inaugurated. (laughs) On October 17, 1964, then Prime Minister Sir Robert Menzies officially opened Lake Burley Griffin. It was a long time coming. The lake opened 50 years after Canberra was established and took over six months to fill. I wanted to speak to someone who could tell me how the inland capital came to have a man-made lake. There was no better person than University of Canberra adjunct professor Dr Diane Firth, who completed her PhD on the topic. It was written into the constitution that the new Commonwealth would have a new city which would be the seat of government. And this was going to be a beautiful city and all beautiful cities had ornamental water bodies. So when Walter Burley Griffin came to submit his design for Canberra, some form of water body was required but it would still be decades before his grand vision for a man-made lake with its circular basins would be built and unveiled in his name. When Canberra was first being developed, the Malonglo River ran straight through the middle. The city, well, it was really two towns. They were divided whenever there was a flood event. The other crossing was Scott's Crossing that went through the middle, so directly in front of Old Parliament House across to where St John's Church is. That was a main road route for people from the north side going over to work in the public service. There was another crossing at Lennox Crossing. Whenever the floods came through, they were wiped out. So there was this one rickety Commonwealth Avenue bridge. construction of the new capital continued, but when the Great Depression hit, followed by World War II, progress slowed and questions were raised about whether the young capital should have or could afford a Grand Lake. Enter Sir Robert Menzies, a steadfast supporter of what later became Lake Burley Griffin. Menzies was so integral in bringing the lake to fruition that many suggested naming it after him. Menzies continued to herald the plan, and in 1959, formal permission to begin construction was granted. But it appears not all members of the government were on board. This audio of Menzies is courtesy of the National Library. The creation of this lake is the result of a pretty long struggle. 
I remember being very much in favour of it in the late 30s, but I was a humble, miserable, outvoted Attorney General at that time. And there were powerful forces arrayed against me because there was a golf course. <laughs> and all the heads of all the departments belonged to it. Government officials were so afraid of their course being underwater that they tried to alter the lake's design to save it. While that move was unsuccessful, later, in a bid to cut costs, then-Treasurer Harold Holt struck out the money needed for the initial works while Menzies was on a trip to England. But the Prime Minister had other ideas. So, you know, humour an old man, let's just strike it back in. Now, if he hadn't come in at the right time, it would not have gone ahead. Once construction of the lake began, it moved quickly. Despite a few instances where sections of the lake wall fell in, the project was completed on time and on budget. Still, not everything went to plan. In September 1963, when the dam's gates were officially closed, Canberra was facing a crippling drought. Before the lake was built, the Malonglo River ran right through the city, coming from the southeast near Queanbeyan. The newly built Scrivener Dam was designed to stop that flow, trapping water in Lake Burley Griffin. But even after the dam's gates were shut, the lake took a while to fill. Almost seven months later, the steady flow of the Malonglo River had still not filled Lake Burley Griffin. But at the end of April 1964, the drought broke and in only six days, the lake was completely full, just in time for an international regatta to be held the very next day. At the official inauguration of Lake Burley Griffin, Sir Robert Menzies reflected on the capital's long journey to receive its lake, but noted its importance, not just for Canberrans, but also for Australians. It unites this city. Some people thought it would divide the city. On the contrary, it has united the city because it has given a centre and a heart to the city. This is of the essence. This is the heart of the city. And I hope it will be a heart that will be quietly beating for the rest of our lives. Our website is abc.net.au slash Curious Canberra. It's where you can see some spectacular photos of Lake Burley Griffin when it was only partly filled. You can also ask your own question at any time. Next time on Curious Canberra, we answer a question from Elias Halage, who wanted to know if any other country pays out their capital city like we do. Is it a global phenomenon or is it something Australians are particularly fond of or more fond of than other people around the world? <laughs>